0: You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Hello everybody and welcome to the May 2014 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. My name's Shane. I'll be our host today, and uh, we're going to talk about leadership, and we're going to look specifically at the story of David and Goliath and see what lessons we can learn from that. But before we do, I want to make a few announcements. Uh, First is this. Coming up this August, August 28th and 29th, New Spring Church is putting on its first two-day conference. It's called the Double Conference, and it's specifically for churches that want to grow, specifically even double in size. That's the the uh, hope and dream behind this, period. Why don't you share some uh, information about that conference for our listeners?
1: Here's the deal: as you look at church attendance in America, church attendance is decreasing. The third largest religious affiliation of people in America are people that categorize themselves as non-religious, um, and that it doesn't need to be that way. So, church attendance is decreasing. Population is increasing. Um, I think that the church should not give up. I think the church, church's best days are ahead of it. And for churches that actually want to um, dive in and fulfill the Great Commission, um, that's why we put together this conference. And it's going to be nuts and bolts. It's going to be fun. There's going to be some inspiration. Um, there, hopefully there's going to be some revelation. I'm really, all my charismatic friends just got really excited right there. But I, I'm telling you, this conference is one-third already full. And the early bird rate, is it's over at the end of May. So it's over at the end of this month. And once it sells out, I mean, we've, we've got 2,000 seats. Once it sells out, we're not open in an overflow venue. We've got the capacity to handle 2,000 people. So if you think you want to sign up for this conference, after May, are there 30 or 31 days in May? I can't remember. 31. I'm going to do the knuckle thing. Yeah, 31. 31. After May 31st, the price is going up. And so get registered for this conference because it's going to be awesome.
0: Yep. And you can get the information and sign up at doubleconference.com. So make sure you do that. The next thing I want to mention, Perry, uh, is to let our listeners know that your book, Overwhelmed, is still out, still available. They need to go buy it. Uh it's doing really well. We're I know you're really proud of what's going on with the book, but uh, I want to mention that you can get that obviously at Amazon, bookstores or you can go to overwhelmbook.com and pick up a copy of that. Also our worship team just released a record called Salvation Rise. You can go to iTunes and pick that up. It's doing really well right now. As we're recording this, we're actually number 19 on the list, 2 behind Beyonce. So we're trying to catch her today, but No pun intended. Here we go. Okay, so uh, next uh, announcement is this. Uh, We mentioned this a couple times, uh, but we want to make sure all our leaders get a chance to do this. You're going to lead a trip to Israel specifically for church leaders. That'll be October 14th through the 21st. Information about that is found at Unleashed.cc. But Perry, let me give you a second just to to invite people to that and let them know um, what you want to know about that.
1: Yeah, here's the deal about a trip to Israel. Um, For church leaders, number one, it will make you a better Bible teacher. Number two, it will make you a better follower of Jesus. Number three, the food is awesome. I can't emphasize, I mean, number one and number two is really true, but number three, that's the thing that got me, and you, Shane, on our first trip over (laughs) there, is the food is amazing. And I'm telling you, this is this is an investment. And let me just let me just put this out there for leaders because I, I this is the number one thing that people say back to me when I tell them they should go to Israel. Yeah, I'm going to do that one day. Okay, well, why not today? Take one day, make it today, and go over there. We're going to have so much fun um, it, in October. Usually the weather is great. We're going to have some awesome experiences. Um, and I, I just want every leader that can go to go because it's. I know what it's done for me. Yep, I would agree.
0: It's an awesome place, and it'll be awesome teaching. Uh, you don't want to miss out on that trip. Uh, so today, Perry, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to look at the story of David and Goliath and pull out five leadership lessons. Uh, and it's a very familiar story found in the book of 1 Samuel, uh, chapter 17, uh, verses 1 through 51. But just to make sure we're all on the same page, why don't you give our listeners a summary of how David
1: defeated Goliath? David defeated Goliath because he was willing to go where, I mean, basically his dad said, hey, go take your brother some bread and cheese, and he went to the battle lines. Everybody else saw um, an obstacle. David saw an opportunity, and so he went down into the valley. Um, It took less than 60 seconds for him to do this. Um, Defeated Goliath. There's all kind of symbolism there, but Shane, the idea for this particular leadership podcast came from one of our campus pastors. His name is David Nassim. He pastors um, our Greenville campus, which is, um, I think, the last time I checked, it's the, one of the largest load-in, load-out, um, portable facilities in America. They're they're running between nine and ten thousand usually um, for a portable facility. So for people that say you, you got to have a you got to have a building, um, they they've hit nine or ten, eleven. They they've even been you know close to eleven thousand on Easter, Christmas, stuff like that. So um, it, it can be done. Um, but David Nassim came up with this lesson, and I thought, man, it is so good that I want to I teach it to our audience. And so I got his permission, um, and he said yes, um, and so I'm so thankful for David letting us talk about David.
0: <laughs> David letting us talk about David. Well, the leadership lessons uh, that uh, David shared with us really come from what happened right after Goliath was defeated. He specifically read 1 Samuel seventeen fifty two, which says this, Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Shaharim road to Gath and Ekron. So with that, leadership lesson number one is this, people follow a leader, not a title. Uh, Perry, how would you distinguish the difference between a leader and someone in a leadership position?
1: Well, in this story, everybody was supposed to be following Saul because Saul had the position of king. Um, David was like the worship leader. I mean, you see that at the end of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16 where David is um, going to Saul and playing the harp when Saul is freaking out. And so you can see, kind of see him in his, in his skinny jeans and his deep V-neck and his scarf and um, with his thick glasses. And he kind of rolls out there and he kind of talks to, you know, kind of calms Saul down a little bit. And so he didn't have the position. I mean, this is, this is basically a part-time worship leader because the other half of the time he had to go back and take care of his dad's sheep. Um, and so a lot of people would look at David and say, well, he doesn't have a position, therefore he's not a leader. But everybody found, wound up following David, and this is one of the things I tell younger leaders all the time. They say, "What is one of the things you need to know and learn about leadership?" And I say, um, "People don't follow you because of the position you hold. They follow you because of the person that you are. Yep. People will always follow a per- person over position." And so Saul lost his. Um, Saul didn't lose his position as a leader on this day, but he lost his influence as a leader, and that's huge. You could have the position of a leader but not the influence of a leader.
0: That's good. You know, and that's uh, easy to see that when we're talking about David and Goliath or David and Saul. Uh, but can that can someone in today's world on a church staff or any business staff really lead others from any position on the team?
1: Yes, John Maxwell um who writes a book a day on leadership. I mean, I, and I and I read him. I love John and everything he says. John, he, he said this years ago, and he still says that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And that really is true. So if you take that question and you run it through the grid of can a um, person influence people? Well, absolutely. Um, it, doesn't matter where, if, it doesn't matter where you are on the org chart. If the org chart limits your leadership then you are in a limited organization and you or a limited church, and you need to get out as soon as possible. That's right. Influence has nothing to do with decision-making. No. Sometimes
0: the org chart can influence the final decision you can make, but it certainly can't influence
1: the uh, impact you can have on the people around you. Uh, so let Shane, me, let me ask you this yep. question. Let me turn it back on you and let me ask you a question. So leadership is influence. So I'm the senior pastor, and you are on the directional leadership team. So, So— um, technically if you make a decision on the org chart I can come in and override your decision if, we, if we're if we looking at it organizationally so so what do you say when people call you and they say Shane How? what are some ways that you and we're going to do a whole other podcast on this sometimes but just to be practical right now what are some ways that you lead Perry well I think the number
0: one way is I'm reliable in what I do so the things that you Amen. so the things that you've put in my hand, I try to be a good steward over, uh, which is the only real way I can gain influence with you, mm. right? If, if the things you put in my hand are things that I return to you with more fruit or return, then you're going to say, okay, this guy's got influence. This guy, something's going on. I need to listen to him. I need to pay attention to when he speaks. I need to take a look at his team. And so, when I, so for me, it's just a matter of stewardship. The only way I can really influence anybody is to steward well with what's in my hand, because I can talk a lot about what I could do, but I can only really show you my ability with what I actually do. That's
1: good. And so that would be my answer. That would be a good answer. I hope every leader out there that doesn't sit in what's called the first chair, and I hate that term, but I hope you wrote that down. If you want to you influence your leader, then be faithful with what you've got right now. I mean, that's, that's, that's enormous. That, I, I'm chest bumping myself inside my head <laughs> right now, which would be weird. If there wasn't
0: a table, we could chest We bump. could right but now.
1: It'd be a little awkward Yeah, right now. that'd be weird. Uh, well, let me,
0: uh, so let me go ahead and, and just to finish out this, this first point that people follow leader, not a title. What encouragement would you give to our listeners um, that are
1: not in a quote unquote position of leadership yet? I think Shane, i just follow up with what you just said. If you want influence, do a good job with what you've got right now, period. Because I would say that anybody that serves on our directional leadership team um, has influence uh, with our – and I'll, I'll say this, Shane. I mean, you know this to be true because you've been working with me now for nearly a decade. Anybody that does a good job on our staff always has influence with, with me or you or yep. anybody that does a good job. I want to know what they're thinking. I want to know how they're feeling. I want to know what they think we do well, what we don't do well. And the better a person does at their job, the more influence they have. That's just, that's just true across the board. It doesn't matter if you're in church world or business world or whatever. That's so true. We
0: never, I was just thinking as you were saying that, we never consider someone's position no. when we're listening to, to somebody we trust. Right. You know, if you, you want a loud voice, be good at what you do, yep. be trustworthy. That's good. Uh, lesson number two from uh, the story of David and Goliath is this people follow courage. Um Perry, the same people who stood scared on one side of the valley were the ones who then rushed into battle. What was the key to their change of heart? it was it was leadership.
1: So Saul is scared spitless. I said spitless. Saul is scared spitless, and he won't move. and so when the when the leader stalls, the organization stalls yeah, I've heard I don't know who first coined this phrase speed of the leader, speed of the team. Um, So Saul is freaked out, you know, running around, uh, praying about it, you know, whatever. Here comes David, and he moves forward. And all of a sudden, like you said, the men that were cowering in fear at one minute, the next minute they're surging forward because they were like, hey, if that guy's going to lead us. And then here's the other thing a lot of people don't talk about. Men back in those days, um, they saw plunder. They were like, hey, if we follow this leader, not only is it going to go well for our country, but it's going to go well for us personally. Um, and I think that gave him courage. I mean, honestly, it's like, okay, I can sit here with a freaked out king that talks to himself and, and mumbles, or I can follow the guy down there who just ran down the mountain and whipped that giant who's been holding me bondage. And so if, if you if you help deliver me from a problem and I see you running forward, I'm, I'm picking up a sword or a stick or a rock, and I'm following you as quickly as I can. That's really good. And let me follow up with this: Do you think courage is contagious? Then? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. If you're scared, here's the here's the thing: a leader needs to um, feel the weight of. And and I don't like this, but it's true. Your attitude is contagious, no matter what. So if you have a positive attitude, you've got positive people. If you've got, po- you got a negative attitude, you probably have negative people around you. You can walk into a room and not say anything to anybody, and they'll start freaking out, wondering what's wrong and what's going on or whatever. Um, and so, yes, courage is contagious. If you want your staff to be more courageous um, – you be more courageous. That's real good. You know, uh, leaders sometimes
0: get frustrated when people on their teams don't quote-unquote surge forward. Uh, what could be
1: the reason uh, that some uh, people on our teams won't move forward? Because in the past when they have surged forward and it wasn't a good decision, the leader brought them in and either raked them out or publicly embarrassed them or told them if you do something like that again, you lose your job And so on the the problem with courage is the only person usually in a church that has permission to do what David did is the senior leader. Nobody else has that permission. And so one of a leader's primary jobs is to give his people or her people, give them permission to fail. Um, hey, if you surge forward and this doesn't go well for you, we'll figure this out. I remember when, um, David Hall is our Spartanburg campus pastor. I'm eventually going to get all these guys in. David Hall is our Spartanburg campus pastor. And um, he said when we were hiring him as campus pastor, you know, he served um, as a fuse director and as a kid spring director. And I told him, I said, David, I said, he said, "What's, what's something, Perry, that you want me to know? I said, well, it's very simple. I said, as the campus pastor, you're going to make some really stupid decisions that cost this church a lot of money. And he just froze. He just looked at me like I was like, oh, my gosh. And I said, and that's okay, David, because as the senior pastor, I've made some really stupid decisions that have cost this church a lot of money. And so I'm not going to tell you that you don't have permission to do the same thing that, that I did. And so it's okay. If yep. you do it, we'll figure it out. It's not, it's not a problem if you do it one time. It's a problem if you're doing it every day. And so I think leaders need to give people on their teams permission to fail. Yeah, um, because we, if you fail going forward, uh, hey, John Maxwell wrote a book about that, too. But if you fail going forward, um, that's not a failure. That's a that's just you moved forward. Yep, totally agree. Uh,
0: lesson number three is this leaders capitalize on momentum. They don't just write it. Uh, how do we see this idea
1: come to life in this story? So momentum was huge. This basically propelled David into the kingship. This one event. Um, A lot of people go back to 1 Samuel 16. David was anointed in 1 Samuel 16, but he went back to the sheep. 1 Samuel 17, like I said at the beginning, everybody saw an obstacle. David saw an opportunity, and he seized it. And the nation of Israel just started whipping the Philistines' rear end every time they got together. I mean, this was like... um, Shane, that when the, when, the team is, when a basketball team is down by like five points and then somebody hits two three-pointers in a row and, and brings them back and now they're winning by one, when momentum shifts in a game, it's a big deal. And so David just capitalized on this.
0: Yeah, I love it because they could have just celebrated the fact that Goliath was dead, but they, capital, they, they capitalized on the momentum of his death and took the whole lot of them, you know. Yep. Um, what's uh, the danger – in just writing
1: out a current success. What if they'd have just stopped well when they when David slew Goliath? That's a real good illustration of what happened to most denominations. Um, there was a time period in history where they killed Goliath and then they broke their arms patting themselves on the back and they did it for so long that by the time they looked around the enemy had reformed their battle positions and they actually start the enemy actually started winning again. Um, When David killed Goliath, the Bible didn't say he just— I mean, the Bible says he knocked him down with a stone, cut off his head, and then carried around with him. That's a that's a freaking man right there when yeah. you carry a guy's head around with you. But the entire army surged forward. And so what can happen is like, um, let's say we have a— I, I've seen this, and Shane, we've learned this lesson the hard way. We had a 10-year anniversary service at the Bilo Center, um, where we brought in all our campuses. And I think at the time we had like four campuses, three or four Something campuses. Like that. So we brought in all of our campuses. We had one service. The venue seated 15,000 people. We packed out the venue and it was an amazing day. I mean, it was one of the best days in the history of our church. What we did not do is a real good job of telling people, hey, come back next week because this is what we're doing in our church. We just kind of threw it in there. We just assumed people would come back the next week and they didn't. In fact, I'm not even sure that some of them ever came back. We It was just, in their minds, it could have been a big party. And so what we did not do is we did not capitalize on that momentum. Now what we do is like out of Easter, so like the week after Easter, we'll say, hey, we're starting a brand new series on Easter. And um, we'll advertise that, and people will come back because Easter is that trump card that God hands you every year and says, you know what, this is going to be a good Sunday. People are going to come. So, yes, do a good job on Easter, but tell people what are what's coming the week after Easter, and you'll capture that momentum. That's good. Um, what are some things
0: a leader can look for in times of momentum? Uh, and you sort of mentioned this, but when, there, when you know you have momentum, what are some things a leader can look for to set off another wave
1: of it? I, I honestly feel like one of the leader's jobs, a leader's job, is to create momentum. Um, and not just anybody can do that, but you got it. So, for example, if you're a pastor out there, if you're looking at the calendar, there are some natural high Sundays and there are some natural low Sundays. Um, and there are some naturally low times in the church calendar. For, for example, June and July are usually the times— um, when attendance is really, really, really low. So, what we've done, we did it last year. We've done this a couple times and we did it and we're doing it this year and seeing some success with it. Is like last year we did a series in June on spiritual warfare. Well, who's coming to church in June? It's your, um, it, you don't get a ton of visitors in June, but your, your, your core is going to come to church and they're, they're the ones that are going to keep, you know, keep coming every week. Well, we saw people um, really just dive into that series and our attendance didn't take a hit and then in july we did a series called redneck our people didn't even know what that series was about and they showed up and it was just like you know what we created momentum in a natural downtime and so that's what we did then we're going to try that again this summer with a series called what happens to you when you die um and it's uh it's something that everybody's interested in so i think we're gonna i think we're gonna see a lot a leader's job though is to look at that situation and create momentum Yeah, that's really good. Another thing, never sacrifice a Sunday, right? Yeah, because every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday.
0: Uh, Lesson number four is this leaders must personally live out the vision. Um, So the next question is this uh, talk about the difference between Saul's and David's actions leading
1: up to the defeat of Goliath. Here's what stinks about Saul Um, Saul actually started out really well, Um, he had some victories. Uh, God was with him. I mean, it, it was amazing when Saul had his start in ministry. Um, but then he fell. And when I say he fell, he fell really hard. And it, it just didn't go well for him. David, on the other hand, began to every opportunity that was given to him. He was like, all right, I'm a shepherd. I'm going to take care of sheep. All right, you want me to play the harp? I'm going to play the harp well. All right, you want me to kill that giant? I'm going to go kill that giant. In chapter 18, Saul sent him out to get... Uh, was it 100 Philistine foreskins? Yep. That uh, that topic don't get talked about a lot in churches. Isn't it funny that we say we love to teach the whole Bible except like that part of the Bible? But um, what was funny is he was supposed to go get 100 Philistine foreskins. By the way, how would you like the job of counting that? Anyway, so he had he to get 100, and what did David do? He got 200. He was like, no, nah, man, we're going over, we're going above and beyond here and got 200. And I'm, I'm sure the counter was like, can we stop at 100? And, the, and the, no, we're going to 200. But hey, don't send me an email. That's in the Bible. That's in the Bible. We're just talking about the whole Bible. Um, we're kind of laughing at that, or I'm kind of laughing at that, but that just shows that David was willing to do whatever it took. Yep. And that's somebody that's willing to live out the vision. David walked the walk. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, why is it so important, You know, in this case we see it with David, why is it so important
1: for a leader to go first? Because they're the leader. If you're sitting around waiting on somebody else to go, guess what? The person you're waiting on to go, they're the leader. Um, that's, that's, you know, you, you, a leader's job is not to build consensus. A leader's job, and, and you want everybody's buy in, but at the end of the day, um, I, I, don't, I forgot who I heard say this, but it was like being a leader is learning how to disappoint people one person at a time. And if you're the leader, you're not always going to be liked. Hey, um, I, was, I was listening to something about President Obama's approval rating the other day, and I laughed, because the very first president I remember ever is Jimmy Carter, um, and then there was you know Ronald Reagan and Bush. I've heard about approval ratings for every president, and it seems like at some point in their presidency, it's like their approval rating's down. Well, guess what? They're a leader. And as a leader, if you can't deal with the fact that your approval rating is down, you're never, ever going to be able to survive. That's good. Uh, how can a leader know if they're actually living out the vision or just casting it? Look around and see if anybody's following you. Yeah, that's um, good. Because <laughs> here's the deal. Everybody know if you're planning a church, you know what to say. We're not going to be this or we're not going to be that, but you don't you got to put that into action. And so turn around, and if, if people are following you, they're either lost or you're the leader. There's the only two options you have. That's good. All right, lesson number five is this. We, quote-unquote,
0: accomplish more than I. Quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you mentioned, our leaders must go first, and then sometimes alone. But what's
1: the danger in staying alone as a leader? The beautiful thing about this story is David did not stay alone when people saw him literally make a difference the bible says they surged forward and um that's the whole idea of we can accomplish more than i or you know the way i the way i remember it is we can accomplish more than me she and i remember a time when uh, i sat in a room full of leaders from this church uh and i told everybody in the room and I, i believe this then And I believe this now. And when you hear this, it's going to sound like an arrogant statement, but let me unpack it a little bit and explain it to everybody listening. I said to this group of leaders, we can't make a bad decision. And it got really awkward in the room. Um, Like, okay, is Perry losing his mind? Is he getting arrogant or whatever? And I said, um, now let me explain that. Y'all can let me make a bad decision we can't make a bad decision. I believe if every person in this room is committed to listening to Jesus and doing what he says, I believe if everybody in this room is committed to seeking God's voice daily, I believe if everybody in this room is controlled by the Holy Spirit, then if I, as the leader, come up with a bad idea, instead of letting me be the emperor with no clothes, and go, yeah, boss, that's great, like, somebody will raise their hand, Somebody will send me an email. Somebody will pull me aside and say, "Can we have a conversation about this?" Somebody, it's it's the way you do it that matters. But I am absolutely confident that as long as we have people in a room where it's safe, you can't. As soon as somebody disagrees with you, you cannot label them disloyal and cast them out of the room because when you do that, um, you set the pace uh, for people being able to give you honest feedback. Now, if somebody gives you a, a like a stamp of approval and then leaves and tells everybody what a rear end you are and how stupid you are, that's disloyal. But in a room face to face, it's not disloyal. And so I, I came back and I looked at the group of leaders and I was like, I really do believe that if we are honest with each other going forward, that we cannot make a bad decision. I can make a bad decision by myself, but I don't think we can. And that all I mean every leader needs to look around the room and say, Do I have the right people around me to help me make the best decisions possible? And that's who needs to be in the room. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um, You
0: know, even though David defeated Goliath alone, I don't think he could have defeated all of the Philistines alone. Obviously, the whole crowd went with him. How can we apply this
1: truth to leading today or day-to-day in in whatever we do? Well, that's so huge. David defeated Goliath. He took down an obstacle but there was still an entire army. And what's hilarious is David didn't have to turn around and say, charge, or y'all go get them. I mean, th- everybody was like, hey, we know what to do. Everybody knew what to do. They just needed permission to do it. Um, and so I think together we can accomplish um, so, so so much more. Because a leader, I remember when um, I had my freak out with uh, being overwhelmed. Hey, great book, you ought to buy it. But I remember when I had my freak out, one of the things my counselor told me is one of the reasons you began to deal with stress and anxiety um, to the point where you did was um, the church got to a size where you couldn't control it anymore. And he said, you don't have a worry issue. You have a control issue. And so as I began to release control, two things happened. Number one, I got better. Number two, it got better. Mm-hmm. Like it was a win-win situation. And you got to have people around you that are willing to tell the truth. Speaking of that, Shane— um, some people told me the truth while I go in the middle of this podcast when I said Greenville campus was averaging nine to ten thousand people. I saw people shaking their heads no, and I went, "Oh my gosh, that's what we had for Easter. That's, that's what we had for Christmas. That's what we had, um, and that's what we're gonna be having this time next year." Uh, uh, so that, that's just me. That's just me thinking the best is yet to come. But we just came off of Easter, and so I'm thinking <laughs> that's right. nine or ten thousand. So as soon as I said that, and I saw everybody shaking their head no, I was like, "Uh." And so the more I thought about it. Um, uh, the more I I realized, and Allie started cracking her knuckles, and at least she didn't leave her phone on this month. But she started cracking her knuckles, and I just realized that man, we've got serious problems here. So, but we can let people know that that campus does average around six thousand people a week. It is that what it? Averages? Yeah. I'm I not going to. feel good about I think that number. it Averages sixteen <laughs> ministerially speaking, it's at a, it's seventy five thousand. And no, it it really is though. I'm I'm going to say this if you're a portable campus pastor and you're thinking the limitation on me is my building or my lack of a building. Our Greenville campus is a great campus just to kind of go and see. This is I mean, we don't have everything figured out, but mm. David Nasim and his team does really great portable church. And if you're interested in um In in looking at that, or if you're in town, what's the email address? Is it Uh, Unleash.cc? Hello? Hello at Unleash.cc. See, I didn't know that. I had to ask Howard. Hello at Unleash.cc, and our Unleash team would love to set you up um, on a tour of that campus or show you around that campus or even talk to you more about that campus.
0: Also, just to mention the double conference again, I know that leading campuses being a campus pastor is going to be, one of the breakout sessions, too. So if you're in that position uh, and want to get more insight there, you can do that as well.
1: David Nassim will be doing a ribbon dance at the double conference. It, it will be the most moving thing you've ever seen. Him and um, Alden Ellis uh, will be doing a, ri- a ribbon dance. Uh,
0: that's, that's, that's extremely scary. And with that, Perry, <laughs> I think we've come to the end of yeah. May's podcast. But before we go again, we've learned five great lessons thanks to David Nassim.
1: But any final thoughts uh, before we sign off? You know, I think 1 Samuel 17 has always been one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and special thanks to David Nassim and his willingness to share this with us. I think um, it's just a great example um, of how leadership really is influence and how David used his influence and leveraged it, especially in this. David leveraged his influence for the good of others, and when you leverage your influence for the good of others, you'll be a leader that people will write about one day. That's really great. Really great. All right.
0: Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next month.